Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the Azog Podcast. What do you do as a shop owner when you're ready to move out of the bays and into an office? We're all aware of how difficult it is to find technicians, so how do you proceed if you find the right person, but they don't quite have the knowledge and experience needed for you to detach yourself completely from working in the shop? Well, we tackle that very thing as well as a few other topics with the Senior Vice President of Opus IVS, Kevin Fitzpatrick. Kevin is also a shop owner himself, and he just served as the President of ETI, the Equipment and Tool Institute. So he brings a unique perspective on what we can do as shop owners. Hey, if you're an automotive industry professional or a shop owner yourself, then you are in the right place. This is a podcast created by shop owners for shop owners and those looking for their perspective. We have frank conversations about the struggles and challenges we have every single day and what we're trying to do about it. So if you like our content, we'd greatly appreciate a subscription on your favorite podcast listening app. If you're catching us on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'll be posting a lot of new content to the ASOC YouTube channel that I don't think you'll want to miss. Now with all that out of the way, here we go. Okay, it's Kevin. Yes, sir. You're doing just fine. How you doing, Kevin? Doing well. How about you guys? No, we're doing great, buddy. We're doing great. Hey, uh, with us tonight is David Roman. Uh, David's a really good friend of mine. We've been friends for years. Um, we've talked a lot about you over the years, and we've talked a lot about um, the Drive Pro. And um, at some point, we'll actually probably try and do some type of review video or something on it for you. Um, But so wanted to introduce you to David. I had your guys in my shop, uh, Drive Pro guys in my shop uh, like a month ago, I would say. Yeah, where are you you guys out in North Carolina, both of you? I'm in Kansas City. You're in Kansas, okay. I'm in North Carolina. Gotcha. Yeah, and so they, um, I I talked to somebody on the phone and, and I'm like, yeah, I'd be interested in talking to somebody about it. And then like three months later, this guy, two people show up at my shop and the guy's got one in hand and he did a really good job pitching me. I'm not going to lie. That's great. Yeah. It's good to hear. I have no idea what his name is. I don't remember names, <laughs> but I could point him out and he he did an excellent job. He was very excited about your product. And I, I will say, and this is why we have you on is, is we want to talk about technology as a service as being the bridge in between sort of the roadblocks that the OEs are putting and needing to have the ability to do sort of everything just to be able to service a, a vehicle competently. Yep. And it, they're making it objectionably difficult to, to just to do some basic stuff. And uh, we had, who was it that we had? Chris Chesney 
We had Chris okay. Chesney on, and uh, I I told him the same thing. I gave him that um, that that objection that that uh, that roadblock that we're that challenge that we're facing as a, as shop owners, smaller shop owners. That hey, it's it's not feasible for us to keep all these subscriptions active if we don't see the car more than three times a year. We don't need to get into it. Why? Why am I now the specialists? That, that makes sense, but. I service everything. I'm not a specialist. I just want to be able to put this transmission in this GM vehicle and GM makes it pretty easy, but some of these other OEs don't. I mean, we were looking at possibly having to replace a transmission on a Mercedes and I think it was a 729 transmission. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my, my buddy who owns a transmission shop in South Carolina and he's telling me, he's like, oh man, you got to have this, that, and the other to be able to even to get it to talk to the rest of the modules and you might even get your hands on one and you can't use a used one. You can throw that one out the window and I'm like, man alive, that is nuts. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest issues is, you know, I mean, when you talk to a guy who's a specialist, they kind of don't understand, you know, the stresses of the general repair shop owner, you know, um, part of my bio, you'll see, I, I own a repair shop today still do it's where we test all of our products you know for one but we have a very large customer base you know and you know gms forge crisis mercedes bmw i mean whatever whatever comes in the door you want to be able to service even if it's just an oil change and, and you know the cost of doing that is is excessive today you know so if you talk to a specialist says just buy factory oh that's great you know if i if i'm doing one make and model you know one make one model you know that's fantastic but that's not the case for the general repair shop owner well it, it seems to be almost like a um a status symbol yeah uh amongst shop owners they 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 say oh i've got all oe i've got no i'm friend, friendly with a shop owner in in utah he has a beautiful facility and he runs a fantastic operation but you get on his on his website and he's got every every single OE tool kind of spread out on a table with the laptop up and the the screensaver has the OE a logo on it and, and you know he's showing it off he's he's telling the customer look I, we can service anything but we've got OE level access to anything out there and yeah that's it's very nice it's impressive but you know, he's been in business for a very long time. He's very well established. You get a smaller shop. Uh, I, we've been open eight years now. Um, and it took us a while to get to the growth that we're at right now, right. to the point that we're at right now. It, you know, we played and we messed around for several years. One man shop, two men shop. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop, and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, parts tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. You know, and it wasn't until we had a commitment to growing, to getting bigger, to, hey, this is the kind of shop that I want. And, and you put your head down, you actually start doing the work that you start to expand. And then you realize I've got to start buying a whole bunch of different tooling and the cost is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, it's not even a status symbol or 
I don't care about the status symbol. I just need something that will work. What will work for me right. tomorrow at my shop uh, that was it's affordable to my customer uh, that doesn't make me look foolish when compared to the OE. Uh, we, we tried to, and I think I mentioned this to Chris Chesney. I tried to um, program some keys uh, on a Ford. And by the time I bought the key and I had somebody come down and program it, I was double the price of the dealership. Well, at that point, you just take it to the dealer. But what does that make you look like, especially to a first-time customer? They're like, sure. well, why am I coming here? Well, see, that's that's the thing is, you know, if you're you know going back going back to your your uh, your friend who had you know all the OE tools laid out, you know, if you're marketing to other shop owners, that's impressive. But to the average motorist, to the average customer that would show up yeah. in your shop, mine, or or any one of your listeners. They don't care. And yeah, that's the care. bottom line. You know, they don't yeah. they don't need to see a table full of OE tools. What they want is their car fixed right the first time. You know, and if you're you know buying those tools is one thing. You know, I've bought them, you've bought them, we know what they cost. But next year all of those subscriptions are gonna come due again. So, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be paying another fifteen or eighteen thousand dollars, you know, and that's on the low side for for subscriptions to fix everything you need to fix in a general repair shop. You know, and then yeah. to your point, if you only see that vehicle once or twice in that year, I mean, what, what, you know, where's your money better spent? Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, here's the thing. And, and I think, you know, Kevin, you and I, we first met at an event by ETI Tooltech, I think it was. That's correct. And, yes. and, you know, one of the things that I heard a lot of people saying at that event was, and, and something that I have kind of connected with more and more over the past couple of years is, is that, you know, my tech will come in from the back and he'll say, um, what website do I need to go to? You know, I've been on the Nastif website and I've been on this website and I've been on the manufacturer website. And w which one of these softwares do I need to download to do this? Right. And yep. so I think that there is a challenge that not only are manufacturers making it in some ways more difficult to access the information and, and some of the things we need, the technology we need, and maybe not by design, maybe not intentionally doing it, but it's become more difficult just to navigate some of their websites and some of that information. And so I think for me, one of the bigger things when it comes to technology as a service is, is it's not just about buying the tool for me. It's about having somebody kind of on my side that knows what tool to use, that knows, hey, here's where I get this information because they've done that particular thing. And, and I get it. There's a lot of shops who are going to say, I've got a master technician for that. I've got somebody who can do all of that. As technology changes, as access changes, it becomes more and more difficult. Even if you are a fantastic technician, things are developing so quickly right now and website addresses are changing and the software they want you to use is changing. It can be very difficult to keep up with it. What do you say to that? Well, again, in many, in many cases, it's, it's, again, you know, we have, we're not, people aren't driving cars anymore, right? That it's, you know, you can think of it and refer to it as rolling technology, right? I mean, there's just so much going on in these vehicles. There's so many modules, CAN bus, all that. I mean, we can go on and on. You could do 15 podcasts on that alone, you know, but the reality is that when you need it, you need it. OK, so um, you mentioned ETI. If I could just kind of go back for a second and, and talk about ETI. Of course. ETI is a is a it's an organization. I, I, I was lucky enough to serve as their president last year. And basically what it is, is they act as a clearinghouse for all of the information that you would need to build a scan tool. OK, so Toyota, Nissan, Mercedes, Benz, Chrysler. Um, if you're a scan tool manufacturer like Snap-on, like, like Bosch, um, us, you know, AutoLogic, AutoIngenuity, all these different companies, they go to ETI and they basically get access to all of that data, you know, to build, to build a scan tool. Okay. So basically the idea behind ETI is to make these tools and make this information available so that we can compete. You know, we can fixed GMs, Ford's Chrysler, Mercedes, all of these, these different manufacturers, because, you know, the reality is the OEs in some cases, I'm not going to group all of the OEs into a single bucket. They really don't make it 
too easy for us, you know, for, for right. us in the tool business. And, and at the end of the day for, for the shop owner to be able to be able to compete. And that's, that's the whole idea. You know, when you, when you talk about the, uh, where, where do vehicles get fixed? Well, I think the latest numbers I saw were it's close to three quarters of all the service work gets done in the aftermarket versus about 20 or 25 or 30% of it being done in the dealerships. Well, they'd like to flip that number. You know what I mean? They'd like right. it all to come back to them. But here's the reality. If, if somebody threw a switch and all of a sudden all of the service work that's being done you know, in the aftermarket wound up in these dealerships, they wouldn't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? They, they, have they, no band- they don't have the bandwidth. That's exactly right. They don't have the bandwidth. But it doesn't stop them from hoping and wishing. You know, they'd like to turn it around. You know, you see, uh, one of one of the vehicles I have, my daughter's driving now, is a 2018 Buick, right? So when my daughter when my daughter's driving that car, any check engine light comes on in that vehicle, I get a I get an email, a text message. Now that text message or email that I get from my car, right, says right. it doesn't tell me to bring my car to my local repair shop. It says, you know, here are the dealerships closest to you. This is where you need to bring your car. And you need to bring it in right now. Your check engine light just came on. Okay, so they're competing with us in all of these new and different ways where they're saying, bring us the car, bring us the car. Well, the reality is, if I was to drive to my local my local GM dealer, Ford dealer, whatever, with whatever car I'm driving. And I said, my my car just told me to come here. They would say, fantastic. We can look at your car in three weeks. Right. Right. That's kind of the reality (laughs) that we're dealing with, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, again, be careful what you wish for, you know. So, you know, the reality is that. We need to be able to fix these. We need to be able to fix these vehicles. And if we're going to compete, we need to be able to do it in a reasonably affordable way. Okay. So, you know, with, with, when you're, when you're talking about utilizing remote technologies, is it new? Yeah, it's new. Is it, is it been fully embraced by, by the, by the, uh, by the world, when I say the world, I say the world of auto repair. The answer is no. There are people that absolutely are digging it. You know, they dig in the remote tech support. They love the remote programming. You know, because they they see they see the value in it. But you know, you guys, you guys, you know, you may or you may not admit, uh, auto technicians don't adapt to change very well. You'd think we would, you know, being in the world of technology, but we really don't. We'll tend to do things the same way every time. Right. Right. And, and, you know, kind of on the, on the ETI subject, I, you know, I don't think that there's many members of ASOG who recognize there's even a, an organization out there that is literally fighting for your access to the vehicle and to the information. And, and that's really kind of at the end of the day, its sole purpose is to help you gain that access and be able to, to work on the vehicle. That, that's part of their key purpose. That's yeah, talk about ETI a little bit because sure. Lucas clued me in on what it was, and I'm like, I had no idea these people existed. Yeah, we're 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 kind of an organization for for the organization. You know, any of your any of your members could go to the website. It's eTools. You know, e is an Eddie eTools and just have a look around the website. You know, you can see the different people and see the different companies that are involved. You can you can view who all the members are. And it's kind of a great organization. Now, it's not something I recommend the shop owners join because you can't. It's manufactured for manufacturers. But you need to understand the fight that's going on every day. You know, the fight exactly. for the data, the fight for the access, you know, the fight to be able to build these tools for 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 the industry, you know, so that we don't have to go back and 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 buy all of these factory tools. Because, you know, listen, it's great to say it's it, it's a great photo op, you know. David, as you mentioned, but you know, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult. So, you know, pick your top three lines. And after that, you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with the aftermarket tools. You know, by the way, there's some great ones out there, you know, Wattel launch makes a fantastic product. You know, we make a great one. There's, there's a number of them out there that make it affordable for you to fix cars for your customer. But when we get into the programming files and all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, my, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. My brother, we have we have a couple of the factory tools ar- around our shop. You know, for the for the some of the more popular vehicles that we fix in our neighborhood. One of the one of the tools we had. I'm going to go back about two years with the story, but 
We had a Honda tool, factory Honda tool, right? Well, car comes in, we need, we find out, we make the diagnosis. Now we have to replace a part. We have to, we have to, we have to pro- program that part. Well, my brother goes to plug the tool and he hasn't used it in a few months, and we have to sit there for two and a half hours as you know. And yep. I mean, as the tool updates, you know. So <laughs> you almost you almost have to have an IT. If you're going to have all these factory tools, you better hire an IT professional because it's it's almost a full time job to keep them updated so that they're in a ready to use uh, position for you. Right. Absolutely. And you know, so so at the end of the day. You know, I, I, we've gone back and forth a little bit. We've we've had to code some some Volkswagen products in the shop, things like that. You know, we've used VCDS. But I was talking to some folks the other day that that brought up the fact it seems like manufacturers may be doing things to make it a either more difficult or changing standards that are hard to achieve in an independent repair shop in some ways. So, like latency. You know, it has to be X fast or or it has to be this close to a router as far as speed wise to be able to get the milliseconds within spec to be able to program the car. And, you know, do you think that manufacturers are kind of trying to push us or are they trying to push us to be better or are they trying to squeeze us out? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, again, like I said, they're they're trying they're they're trying to correct that number. You know what I mean? They want to they want to go from thirty percent of the service work to forty percent, and they think the best way to do that is to kind of make things difficult. And again, I won't put them all into the same bucket. You know, I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm going to give a shout out right right now to Toyota. You know, um, Toyota is is a company. Uh, we actually gave them award an award uh, two years ago through ETI. And the reason we did that was the award was because they are absolutely fantastic at embracing the aftermarket. There's, yep. They are absolutely. unbelievable at it. You know, they make their factory tool affordable. It updates easily. The information is readily available. And you don't need a degree in astrophysics to use it. You know, I mean, right. it's, it's pretty simple. It ties in directly with their service information. I mean, it, it, it's great, you know, because, again, I guess their whole idea is, you know, they, they want customers, they want their vehicles to be easily serviceable in the aftermarket. Right. I mean, and again, right. it kind of makes sense because then then you wind up with a with a kind of a happy customer. You know, if you if you can go if you go to a, a, a independent repair shop with with some technicians in there that are reasonably well trained and their their software is not not overly expensive well guess what their customer just had a positive experience in the shop they're probably going to be more likely to purchase a new toyota the next time because they've had a they've had a great experience from you know from beginning to end absolutely absolutely and it's it's funny you bring that up because um when i was at that tool tech event i was asked to speak on a panel with you and some other shop owners and i said something about the fact and i won't call the manufacturer out but i I was saying that that particular manufacturer if we didn't have a way to um, perform a specific reset that even if i could fix the vehicle in my shop the closest dealer was four hours away and it was a vehicle that had to be towed and it was going to be expensive. The tow bill alone was over $400 just to get it down there. And then just to reset it, the dealer wanted $350. And when that was done, somebody came up to me at that event and they said, I, I really appreciate your perspective. And I, I didn't have a clue who they were. And, and they said, you know, if, if you talk bad about our vehicles to someone like a potential buyer and that, buyer is a fleet you could cost me five six seven vehicles from that fleet that didn't sell and if everybody in the country is saying the same thing that definitely affects our sales numbers she said you know we we need to be able to um, help you work on the vehicles better make it easier for you and that was a really interesting perspective that i saw from the other side that i don't think all of them have but some of them definitely do they don't necessarily always want to make it to the point we're talking bad about them, right? That, that's not the goal. No, I mean it's re- it's really not. I mean the the experience that you just laid out there is a is a very very real experience all, all around the country. I won't use the I won't use the manu- I do remember the example, but I won't use the manufacturer's name. But here's the reality: if your car breaks down and you 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 don't have access to the dealer network, the dealer network has a three week backup. 
okay? Or you wind up in a situation, Lucas, like you just laid out, where in order to get this vehicle fixed, you know, you're driving your kid down to college. In order to get this vehicle fixed, it needs to take a four-hour ride on a tow truck to a dealership, okay? That is what you call an extremely negative customer experience, okay? So how likely would that would that owner of that vehicle be to repurchase, you know what I mean, another an, another one of the of, of that make. And the answer is exactly. probably wouldn't, you know? So that's what they need to be cognizant of. We need to we need we need to be thought of in this relationship as partners. Partners, you know, to to these vehicle manufacturers. You know, if they make the training, they make the training available. Um, and they make the 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 software available. You know, that's 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 kind of the name of the game. You know, part part of our DNA here at Opus IVS is one of our. You know, we're we're a, a number of companies that have been purchased and, and brought together. One of those companies is I think most most of you would recognize is Drew Technologies. Now, Drew is they are one of the pioneers of the the right to repair and all of the you know the J twenty five thirty four stuff. As an industry, right? I mean, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the early 2000s. We thought this was the answer, right? right. I mean, once once we get that law passed, the the the, the skies are going to become bluer, and it's everything is going to be hunky dory. It didn't exactly work out the way we expected it to, because you know, the right manufacturers embraced it and said, here here is everything. Here's access to everything that you need to be able to to fix our cars right the first time. Other manufacturers found ways around giving the aftermarket what they needed. You know, they, they felt that they needed to keep the secret sauce inside. And this way, we're not going to give you what you need. And I think they're I think they're seeing that probably wasn't the best way to go about it, you know, because, right. again, sales numbers fall off. And, and we know some of those manufacturers, most of them are European. I will say that that do not make right. things easy. Exactly. They make it really tough in some cases. Um, and, and, you know, so that, that kind of brings up another topic and, and it's something that we've, we've hinted at on the show before we've talked about it before. Um, and, uh, somebody that, you know, I'm not going to call them out publicly. We'll, we'll just say that it's somebody, you know, had said to me a, a few months back, they came in the shop and we were talking and they said, um, you know, I believe that the way to to really get this to the next level is have all of the tech certified by the manufacturer on what they want to work on. And, and that will give them access to programming and, and give them access or ability to do recalls. And, and you know, I think that's a really big thought. I, I don't think that's something that we could tackle in the confines of a podcast that's an hour long. But... It does make me think, you know, A, the manufacturer doesn't have the bandwidth to do that. We asked Chris Chesney the same question. It would be really difficult to do that. But it's a topic that's come up over and over again. Where do you stand on regulation? You know, there are a lot of folks who say, hey, we need to fix our industry. Where do you stand on that? Well, I'm, 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 for, I'm for regulation to a degree, okay? But, you know, if you had asked me this question Five years ago, I would have been all for uh, licensing of technicians. Okay, now I'm not so sure, and I'll tell you why. Because it kind of brings the government more into what we're doing, and it's going to drive up prices for the consumer. Okay, because it's not going to be as simple as taking an online uh, an online test, right? This is when you, as soon as you open that door, you know the next thing you know, it's going to cost you. Fifteen hundred dollars to 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 get licensed, and then you're going to be paying a few hundred dollars every year to a, a licensing entity. You know, and I don't, we don't know who that's going to be. If that's going to be on the state level or or what have you, state level, county level, and it's and what that's ultimately going to do is drive prices up for the consumer. You know, and as as a right. as a shop owner, it scares the hell out of me. It really does. Right. We had Tom Ham who owns a shop in uh, Michigan and he had to start licensing his technicians in the seventies, I think is what he said. And he, he's, he's in it right now for $25,000. He said in licensing yeah. fees and it hasn't yeah. changed anything. No, it, it has All it said is this added, like you're saying, added cost to his operation. The technicians aren't any better. The, the guys that are doing it in the backyard are still doing it in the backyard. 
and I mean, other than than bringing the government into a transaction between customer and, and business, it hasn't done anything to better the industry, as Lucas it, is it, saying. Yeah, it really hasn't, because what it's going to do is again, yeah, again, if 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 if, uh, and I hate to speak this way, but you know, if our if our government was truly pure of motive all the time, and and unfortunately, you know, God knows where all this licensing money is going to wind up, and and I don't really think that if you have a shop that that's operating now, and you know, they're, you know, they're, they'll wind up with one licensed tech and then three less expensive techs if that's the way they want to go. You know, it's like. It's like anything else, you know, there's great plumbers and there's less than great plumbers, you know, and I don't, I don't believe licensing would affect that. You know, if, if the, I think the trick is to make more high end training available to, to, um, to technicians. And by the way, you mentioned Chris Chesney a few times, you know, Chris Chesney, Rob Morrell, guys like that, they're both, you know, technically with the advanced group, but they, they're, they're unbelievable at bringing, at bringing top flight training to the industry. You know, and, and we need yep. what we need is more companies like that. And if when you're going to buy your parts and you're going to spend your dollars, you know, spend them with somebody that's that's going to take that's going to take part of that money and reinvest it in you and your technicians. You know, and, and that's why, you know, I think advanced. That's group, a fantastic you know, point. It really Amen. is. I mean, because that's that's what they're doing. I mean, if you if you look at an entity, any any one of these parts guys, and you see the level of training they're putting out. I can tell you right now. They're not making any money doing it. You know, they're going to be right. spending 10x what they're what they're bringing back. Whatever they're charging you, trust me when I tell you, it's costing them more to produce and deliver that training. You know, but I mean, where would we be without it? Right? I mean, right. because, you know, GM's not going to invite you into their training center, right? I know, you know, BMW and all these other manufacturers, we fought like hell to get in, you know, so that's why we're in a position where what we do is we wait for the, this is, this, I'm probably going to get some, some hate letters on this one, but you know, <laughs> our company, we only hire, we, we're hiring, we're hiring factory level master technicians. So once they've been fully educated by the dealer, they have access to all of the training material, then some guy like me comes along and hires 30 of them at a time, <laughs> you know, but I, I do that to make that level of, of expertise available to general repair shops, you know, and when we deliver training, it's delivered by master techs. It's the only way to do it. It's an end run, but it's, it's, it's what we do in order to, you know, to get the message out to the masses. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things when we talk about technology as a service, it's not replacing your technician in the bay, right? It, it, it's not it's not going and saying I'm gonna I'm gonna plug this device up to the car, and it's gonna diagnose it. It's gonna tell me what part to change. It's gonna fix it. No, it, it's more of a relationship with the person on the other end of the phone talking about. Although, if you could find a way to do that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I would be, be happy great. to. You know, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick story. Well, I left uh, one of the companies we have over here at Opus is is AutoLogic, and I ran AutoLogic from 2005 to 2015, and basically built their their technical support. That was our secret sauce with 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 AutoLogic was our tech support. We had great software, but the tech support. You know, we're selling tools to guys that are really good at fixing BMWs and Mercedes Benz, but it was the support, you know, where we would tell them specifically what to do, part numbers, right. whatever, whatever it was that they needed. So here's where we find ourselves today. So with our, with our, if we talk about the support and everything, most of the, most of the customers we have, the vast majority of the customers we have are absolutely fantastic technicians and business owners. Okay, so what they all do is, and, and I'm sure I'm sure you guys have you probably put yourself in this position today. A car will be brought into your shop. You'll you'll look at it. You'll make your diagnosis, and you'll say, "I'm pretty sure about this. I'm about ninety five percent sure this is the issue and the total issue." Okay, but now I have to pick up the phone and I have to call a customer, right? I have to call this Land Rover customer, or I have to call this Volvo customer, this Ford customer, right? And I have to quote them this job, okay? But what if I'm not 100% sure on this one, okay? Most of the calls, a lot of the calls that we take at our support center are listening to a technician. They'll plug our device into the, into the vehicle. One of our techs will remote into it. And meanwhile, they're talking to the other technician. The technician will, be, will say, this is what I've done on this vehicle. This was my test procedure. 
and this is what I found. Okay. Many right. times our master technicians are just in a position where they're just going to say to the technician, you are absolutely correct. Okay. This is the part that you need. You know what I mean? Go get quoted on the part. Or we'll say, did you test this? Right. Many cases they're saying, well, here's the thing. The module that I've found out is bad on this vehicle. It's $1,500. Right. So right. what do you think? And we'll say, you made the right choice. This is the problem. They want verification of the repair. You know, that's, right. that's usually yeah. what, you know, in many cases, what we're doing with these techs is verifying a diagnosis that they've made. Like I said, these guys are top technicians. You know, other cases, of course, there are all those, those situations where we're making the whole diagnosis and, and the technician basically on the other end becomes a pair of hands where we're saying, we need you to test this. We need you to test this. What, you know, what do you have? What's the voltage over here? And then we'll say, okay, here's your diagnosis. You know, so we, we, we kind of get both kinds. Right. Well, you know, and, and what I found interesting in my situation was, is that it became a learning experience for the technician at hand. Right. Because now once he looks at it once and, and he's gone through it with somebody and they can walk him through that process, it's not like having a trouble tree in front of you. Right. And, nope. and there's some things that, of course, we can do if we understand how the system operates. But when we get into, say, a European vehicle, there are vehicles that there is no logical process for how that system operates documented anywhere. Correct. And we can say, I think it works like this. But it sure is nice to be able to call somebody and them say, hey, it actually works like this. Right. right exactly. The, and the problem is a lot of cases, not to cut you off, but it's like the information is spotty and that's, that's the right. problem. You know what I mean? So it's buried. we've got, right. We've got a factory tech that has the factory information. And, and by the way, we don't, it's not, it's never a situation where you plug the vehicle in and like, okay, stand back. We're going to, we're going to diagnose this car. Now we are talking with the technicians, working with the technicians, saying, here's why we're doing this. This is what we're doing now. And this is what you should see. Right. And, and like right. you said, it's always, always a learning experience, you know? So the next time that ABS issue comes in on a Volvo, they're like, okay, this is what we need to do here. I mean, and again, we, we again, this is how you grow as a technician, right? With experience. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that's the biggest point that I took away from the podcast with Chris, because Chris was saying, if you think that a company that provides tech support, you know, and, and, and look, as I started to grow as a technician before I really took on the role of business owner in my shop, I had this hate of the silver bullet, right? Because it had burnt me so many times. I just wanted somebody there for a while to tell me how to fix the car. And then I realized that, hey, there's no way for anybody to do that. I have to do the testing on my own. Yep. And for a while, I thought that that technology services were kind of like a silver bullet. It was looking for somebody to say, here's what's wrong. Go fix it. And and Chris said something that kind of helped me realize what I've learned with the tools we use here in the shop is that the tech support company doesn't want you calling over and over and over they don't want you tying up their technician's time any more than you have to. So if we can teach your technician as they go through this process, right. And, and look, I'm, I'm all about training. Everybody knows that we have in our shop, we have a hundred hour a year minimum for every technician, every service writer, myself, we all do 100 hours a year of training in my shop. And, and I believe in growing, but I think having someone knowledgeable on a particular subject brings a whole different level of learning. Just like when we say we're going to do a training in the shop and we bring somebody like Brandon Dills in and Brandon trains them on something he works on. Yep. It's, it's a different level of understanding. Uh, it, really, it really is. Again, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you a real quick one, you know, from the support center, we see the stuff like this all the time on some Jaguars. I don't remember the exact year and model, but we had a tech call in and, and since then I've, I've heard this call probably two dozen times and the tech called in and he said, I have this vehicle. It, sometimes it runs, sometimes it doesn't. It does all these crazy things. It, I, it, it'll it throw out 15 different codes. The car's unfixable. We've been going crazy. And then you hear the tech say, well, what year is it? Does the vehicle have a sunroof? Yeah, yeah the car's got a sunroof. Okay. So then one of, one of, my, one of my master techs says to him, he says, I need you to go on the passenger side of the vehicle and I need you to pull the carpet back 
right? Pull the carpet back, you know, and he goes, he goes, there's a splice joint under there. He goes, wow. Yeah. He goes, it's, it's, it's completely rotten. He goes, okay, I need you to fix that. Right. So he right. ends up fixing, fixing this splice joint. And all of a sudden, every issue in the vehicle goes away. Okay. So now the technician on the other end of the phone says, says to my guy, he says, I never would have found that. Right. And, and I'll never, my, my guy says, he goes, but you'll find it next time, won't you? And he says, absolutely. Okay. Now that's what you get with a factory technician that you get a guy who has not seen this once. He's seen this 35 times. Okay. And now the tech on the other end of the phone, right. When he's going to get that quirky issue, right. On that make and that model, you know what he's going to do? He's going there first. And he's going to say, I know there's a common problem here now. So let me pull this thing back and let me let me just take a look. There's no service bolts on a lot of these issues, you know, as well. But that's that's Correct. what you get when you're talking to a factory technician. And that's that's kind of the important thing. So next time he knows he's going there first. Right. Absolutely. And and look, I I think you know, and, and I, I want to say this carefully. I think in a lot of ways, independent repair shop owners have a negative image of dealerships and of dealer techs. And and I can understand that to a degree. I've hired dealer techs and found that some of them were just not a good fit for my shop. Now, I think that was the tech at hand. And I think that's a common experience that many shop owners go through. And I think when we, we've, maybe we've started our business or we've decided we're going to hire techs and we want to find somebody really good, we get this idea in our head initially as young business owners that, hey, he worked at the dealer. He's going to be really good. But you find out he can only fix Hondas. He can't fix Fords and he can't fix Chevrolets. He can fix Hondas really well, but he can't fix anything else. So I think that there's there's kind of this discrepancy that people don't believe dealer techs are are um, the quality that they should be. And I think in a lot of cases, a dealer tech on his brand is a powerful tool to, to have in your cabinet for sure. It, very, very, very powerful, you know, and, and I'll tell you, you know, all, you know, you, if you take a dealer tech out of the dealer, you know, we've all, we've all heard it. Well, he, we don't have a parts department, right? Therefore he won't be effective if he doesn't have the parts department to lean on. Of course that's true with some guys, but, you know, I can tell you, you know, when in our, I'll, in our in our New York support center, for instance, we have we have sixty factory technicians, right? They're all in the same room. They all have these these wireless noise canceling headphones, and they're on the phone constantly, right? But I'll tell you, the BMW guys love to go over and listen to the Volvo guys, and the Volvo guy loves to go listen to the GM guy, you know, because they they right. they stand there and they go, tell them to look at this or tell them to look at that, and then you realize that there's this exchange of information that starts happening in the room, where they all right. realize. All of these different makes and models have, have different issues. They, and they start getting to a point where they love learning about all the different makes and models, right? So when a dealer tech comes out of the dealer, you hire him into a general repair shop, you'll probably get one of two experiences. One, he's going to sit back and say, well, can we get some Hondas through here, right? Or he'll say, <laughs> I already know everything there is to know about Hondas. You know what I mean? Let me, let me learn about these Volkswagens and find out, you know what I mean, what idiosyncrasies this vehicle has. So again, you, you you get either kind. Absolutely, absolutely. That's very very true, very true. And, and do you, you see know, the dealerships heading towards that technology as a service type thing as well? Well, let, let me let me put it to you this way, okay? If you if you look at the makeup of the average dealership, okay, the average dealership learned a long time that if they if they grow if they grow a couple of, I'll use the old terminology, if they grow a couple of A technicians, right, a guy that knows everything, soup to nuts, in a dealership, they're either going to leave or somebody's going to take them. In many cases, they're not worried about them leaving the the dealer network. They're worried about them spending the money training him and him going to another another BMW dealership five miles away or 10 miles away, right? And for them, it was a loss of experience. What a lot of these dealers started doing was, they have predominantly, uh, I'll, again, old terminology, B and C guys that are in that are in these dealerships. When the when a vehicle came in that they couldn't fix or figure out right away, it's it's traditionally hooked up to a terminal, right? Where somebody off site, somebody in a technology center somewhere off site is going to make a diagnostic decision on that car. Okay, so whether the dealers admit it or not, 
they've already been they've already been in that technology as a service business within their network, you know. And if you if you talk about Tesla, right? Tesla's fixing cars remotely today. Tesla's programming cars remotely today. So the 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 answer, David, is absolutely yes. It's already happened. Interesting. I I had heard about the uh, the the Volkswagen techs. They were going to use Google Glasses, that type of thing, to to get to guide the technician to, you know, finding the problem and hey, poke this thing or test that thing or whatever. And I don't know, I I don't know how it, it flushed out, but I don't know how many times I've explained something very similar to my customers that come in and I go, look, they'll they'll come in complaining about. A, a certain problem on their vehicle and that they've already been to the dealership several times and they haven't been able to find the problem. And I explained that very thing to the customer. I go, look, I don't think you understand how this works. They don't have using the old terminology, a level guys at the dealership. You think they do, but they maybe have one and they share that guy with, you know, the other Toyota dealership and the rest of them are part swappers. And so if you do bring a non-warranty vehicle into the into the dealership, they they can't just you know justify putting this part in or that part in um, because the customer it's all customer pay, and so they have to they have to be really careful. And now you know yeah they may have thrown some parts at it because that's what they normally do. <laughs> um, and they're going to have a really bad experience with the assumption that they're getting the best of the best technician working on their, on their vehicle, whatever that make happens to be. Right. Well, again, there's always, the, there's always that customer that says, I'm going back to the dealer. They know the product the best, right? Again, which is true to a point. Okay. But you know, there's some amazing, amazing technicians and you, and you brought up the Google glasses. Porsche is actually doing that now in their dealerships, right? They have, they have something and it's not Google. I think, uh, it's a Bosch derivative of this, but you know, again, they, they have technicians and you look at the vehicle and it kind of overlays the wiring diagram. So that level of technology is actually, uh, it's happening right now, which is, which is kind of cool because in a little while we'll, we'll have exactly the same thing. We've actually kind of toyed with that through our support centers, that little virtual reality piece. So it's, it's kind of neat to, to, to see what's coming. You know, it really, it really is, but yeah, and, and technology is advancing at a rate that I, I I don't think we recognize it, right? I still remember the corded phone on the wall that had the little spinny doodad on the bottom of it, right? And, yeah, and well, you know, uh, Dutch, the one of the moderators for ASOG, he he remembers before there was dirt, there was just rocks they hadn't <laughs> rubbed together to make dirt yet. And um, you know, I, I think I think we get in the middle of technology and we don't realize how quickly it advances around us. Right. And and you know that was one of the things that I really picked up um, at Tooltech that year. And and as I've I've trained more and more, um, you know, I sat in a, a class that Ian Lebby was teaching. And and he went over the basics of Mercedes Benz body, right? And and it wasn't even a class about Mercedes Benz body. He was talking about the multi beam headlight and the um, some of the networks that they were using at the time. And I literally saw technicians slam the book shut and get up and say, "If this is where it's going, I'm leaving. I'm I'm out." I'm, I'm going to go find another career. I'm done here. And I think that sometimes, especially because we're in the shops, we're working, we're not seeing the newest cars on the line that we don't realize what's coming down the road and it's coming our way. And, and I get that, you know, Chris Chesney said something when he was on, he said, you know, the car that we have right now is probably the car you're going to see and the technology you're going to see for the next 10 years. And I get that, but I also know there's a lot of vehicles that have not made it to the independent service facilities like mine or some of the smaller independent shops that may not be in a, in a metro area that are extremely complex. And I think it's going to be a surprise when those start making their way into these smaller facilities because they're not really going to be prepared or know how to handle the situation. Well, that's again, and that's, that's kind of the tough call. You know, because, you know, we want and that's why we think technology as a service, right, is listen, it does it does not 
it does not have to be a hundred percent of the way you're fixing cars. Okay. But right. I, I truly believe it should be, it should be available to you. Okay. Uh, number one, as you mentioned earlier for the, for the learning experience. Okay. But you know, yeah, you, you have a situation where, you know, again, I'll, I'll talk about my customer base in my shop. You know, my brother, my brother runs our shop and we see evolutions happening all the time. I'm sure you guys see the same thing. You'll have a customer, that customer is driving GMs, 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 bang, all of a sudden he drives in the, into the shop with an Audi. Hey, I got a new car, an Audi. Well, you want to be able to fix that car, right? You don't right. want to say, well, you've been my customer for the last 15 years or 10 years, but now you have an Audi. So, uh, well, this is where we say goodbye, right? You don't, right, you don't want yeah. to do that, you know, because all of a sudden half your customers are, are, are driving are, are, are driving Audis or driving BMWs or, you know what I mean? You're really good with GMs and Fords, okay? But why the hell is everybody buying Subarus all of a sudden, right? So you just need, you need, you need to be that uh, malleable to a point to say, okay, I've got some learning to do, but this car is here today. So what do I do? Let me let me right. let me talk to a technician, right? Let me engage. Let me engage with a, a support service or or a, or a remote programming service because I have a car to fix today, right? Right. And right. That's that's why it needs to be. It's just another. It's another tool in a technician or a shop owner's toolbox. Absolutely, and and you know I know a lot of dealer technicians. I've got a good friend who's a dealer technician. He said I really hate it. When I get that telephone call, can you program this for me? Can hey, what have you seen this yet? You know, right. and he said it's it's not that I mind. He said it's just that I get six or seven of them a day, right? Because I'm I'll, I'm the head seniority guy at the dealer, and so I think that's something to think about. You know, right. you can burn a relationship with somebody by calling them frequently um, and asking those questions. So you know, having something in your corner that allows you to do that might be important. And, you know, look, I, I, you said that doesn't have to be the only way you fix cars. And, and look, I I think at the end of the day, my argument for technology as a service is this, I understand the guys like Seth who really want to, to use OE level tools. He specializes in that vehicle. And there's some things that I'm sure OE level tools give him access to and the ability to do things that are really important for what he does. I get that. I support that 110%. But I also know that there are shops that are going to be fixing cars, whether they should be fixing cars or not. Of course. Of course. And if, if we could get them just a little more information and give them a little bit of direction to help them fix the car better. So we're not guessing and we're not, you know, just throwing things around here and firing the parts cannon. Yep. I think well, our industry improves because of that. Of course it does. Because, you know, every time, you know, every time a customer goes into the shop down the street and he has a negative experience, right? Could right. be He's probably going to say, Next time I'm going back to the dealer. He's not going to say next time I'm going to another general repair shop. It's just the way right. it is, you know. So we all kind of we all kind of have to band together and realize that you know when that new Subaru or that new Nissan comes into your shop, and and this is this is the this is the part that that most guys hate to hear. This is not the time to learn about that system. Okay, that's a customer's car. They're expecting to pick it up in two hours, right? So right. the game here is to get the car fixed because we're all in business. I, we're not, by the way, and this is we're not in business to to fix cars, right? We're in business to make money. That's why we're in business, right? Amen. So let's get let's get this car fixed, right, properly with the, with with the aid of a factory technician, right, th- through a technology as a service uh, offering. Let's get this car fixed. Make yourself a note and say, I got to learn more about these cars. I did not feel that I I was proficient in that repair. Right. Then that's that's kind of the game. Get the car fixed. And now let's let's again figure out where your the holes are in your training. You know, real quick, one one of the parts, one of our companies is is AutoLogic. And we're really good at fixing European cars. Well, we got almost too good at it. So all of a sudden they realized most of our sales were coming from around the country. We were selling our tool, our BMW AutoLogic. To BMW dealerships, right now, why would a BMW, <laughs> why would a BMW dealership, right, be purchasing our aftermarket tool, right? So one day, 
I get a call from BMW of North America, and they said, we want you to come down here to Jersey, and we want you to demonstrate your tool, right, for our senior vice president. So I'm scared to death, right? I figure I'm walking into a trap, right? Gonna, <laughs> right. I'm going to be arrested or something, and they're going to say, you, you've overstepped in your development. Well, the reality was, you know, after we sussed it out, I went down there and they said, our dealers are buying your tool, right, with 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 our go ahead, because your tool is the one that they're using in their in their pre-owned departments to fix cars. When the cars are under warranty, they want they want them using the factory tool. Now, the real the reality was our tool. We built something in there because we were we, again, we're selling these tools to to independent repair shops. We were able to do something called selective programming. Okay. Right. BMW, if you guys know BMW, when you program a module in BMW, it says, well, you have to get up to the right eye level. You, you can't program one module, right? You have to program seven modules at the same time. Right. Okay. That's the only way this is going to work. And that's how that that's how the factory tool works. So customers, now these these cars are owned by the dealership. They're not under warranty. They'd hook it up to the to to their icon. They'd start programming it, and the next thing you know, they uh, three of those modules would fail on programming because you know it was kind of it was kind of like taking the latest Microsoft file and jamming it into a Windows ninety eight PC. The modules <laughs> failed. So now that dealer was responsible for for out of their pocket paying for those three modules to put it. Our tool had a function where it would look at the eye level, determine exactly which of those modules needed to be programmed. In many cases, it was just the module you replaced or maybe one more. So we were, we were making them considerably more, more profitable. So BMW said, why, you know, again, why don't we just do this? Right. I said, well, I really don't know why you're not doing that, you know. And it took them a few years, but then they started doing it the way we were doing it. Okay, but the, the the point is, it's all about profitability. That's all. Right. That's that's the only thing. And again, we should be looking at things through the through the same lens. Fix it the best way, the most profitable way, and the quickest way, right? And sometimes that's technician is. Or, or, I'm sorry, technology as a service. You know, other times it's it's simply taking a J2534 device, going on the website and pulling down the file by yourself. But again, you need to have these different tools available. You know, if you go out to play golf, right? You don't go out with one golf club, right? Right, right. Well, and you know, I've actually gotten that telephone call before. I got the telephone call from AutoLogic saying, "Hey, uh, you don't want to program that radio. Whatever you uh-huh. do, don't program the radio. Listen, well, just trust us. You don't want to do that." Yeah. Well, again, you know, that's that's an interesting point because you know, BMW was having the same issue when a car came in, and that was, I think, on. Was it e? Might have been the e. Might have been the e sixties. E thirty. Probably e sixties. I think I'm, I'm going off memory here. But if you if you took the time to read it, the radios had a one hundred percent failure rate. Now that's right. on when you when you go to program the radio. It's not. It might fail. It will fail. Now if you're the BMW dealer, that's a that's a problem. Okay. If you're an independent repair shop, that is a Big problem because you're <laughs> yeah, talking it's an about expensive something, problem. Yeah, you listen. You 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 and I both know you can give a car a customer a car back with a few things not working. The radio is not one of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a bad time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, and and look, I I think the other the other argument that we can make for technology as a service and something that David has brought up more than once. And, and, you know, we're all technical guys, right? We started as, as technicians in this field, uh, except for David, he started as a parts guy, but, but started a shop and became a technician. And one of the interesting things for me has been looking around and realizing that there are shop owners who aren't technicians, who don't know how to fix a car. And, you know, in more than one instance, I've seen where folks have, have, and and uh, through many different technologies of service providers, Identifix, things like that. I even saw at one point that somebody had posted a question in all data. Um, and it turned out that that technician called the shop and said, hey, I'm concerned that that technician probably shouldn't be working on this car because of what he did. 
And I thought that was really interesting because I I know the shop that it happened to. I know it happened. And he said, I had no idea. The guy was telling me he knew what he was doing. But all of a sudden, I've got this master technician from all data calling and saying, hey, he shouldn't be touching this car. Get him away from the car. This is bad. (laughs) And I thought that was really interesting because it definitely gives a shop owner who doesn't have that technical background, something that many of us fail to think about because we come from that technical mindset. Um, it gives them the opportunity to at least know they're going in the right direction. So that that's something interesting that I don't think we talk about often when it comes to technology as a service. Uh, it's ab- that's absolutely true. You know, some of the, some of the best shop owners that, that we encounter, uh, you know, have never fixed a car in their lives. You know, they're business owners, you know what I mean? So, you know, if they, if they, if they owned a, you know, if they owned a, a horse stable, you know, they'd go out and hire a guy that can shoe horses properly, right? They're just going right. to go out and hire, hire the skill sets that they need because they understand first and foremost, how to run a business, right? Then you have the other, the other guys. And unfortunately they're the guys that will round, they would rather keep a car in the shop for two days because they're going to fix it themselves. Right. And right. when they realize that they have eight hundred dollars in parts in it, and, you know, two full labor days, it's been tying up a bay. And no matter what they do to their car right now, they're not going to make a profit on it. Right. Next time, maybe they'll maybe they'll think they'll think differently, you know, because as I mentioned earlier, getting the car fixed the first time is, is probably the way to go. It also gets some of the shop owners that are technically minded or were the diagnostician in the shop out of the shop. I, I talked to one shop owner who was looking for an A-level technician because he was the diagnostician and he realized I can't grow my business and I can't put in my executive time if I don't step out of the shop. If I'm in the shop, in the bays, four, five, six hours diagnosing vehicles, I need to find somebody that can do what I do. But that person, the shop owner might be exceptionally talented. If you have a, a, another set of eyes, like you were saying earlier, Kevin, just somebody that can that can help lend, or give out or offer a, lend, uh, a helping hand uh, to to diagnose that vehicle, it'll allow that shop owner to then step out and be able to do what they need to do to grow the business and not have to worry about, is that car going to get diagnosed properly? How long is this car going to be in my shop? Do, am I going to have to go out now? It they might struggle with it for a while and and want to go back into the shop and and babysit, but eventually, you know, they realize they can't do it and they need to step out of there. But this ends up helping them do that. Well, that's correct, and that's really the only way to grow. And that's 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 a big part of our business is when some of these guys want to stop back. You know, we call it. We have a, what we, when we talk to our customers, we say, you know, a lot of, a lot of shops use the, uh, the, the 20 minute rule. Okay. Now the 20 minute rule means you don't have to fix the car in 20 minutes, but after you bring the car in and you do your preliminary tests, okay. You give yourselves another 20 minutes. If you have not determined the diagnostic direction on that vehicle, the best thing to do is send in a request for support, right? And say, this is what I've done. This is where I'm at. You know what I mean? What What do you think now? In many cases, we have an answer. You know, you can turn, call it a silver bullet. We've seen it before. Other times, we're going to ask the technician to hook up some diagnostic equipment, you know, so we can kind of look into the vehicle, remote into the vehicle. But we're going to work with that technician. We, we again, this is just about shaving a little bit of time. You know, Dave, as you mentioned, there's, there's two things a shop owner or, or can do. He can work on the business or he can work in the business. If he works in the business, he's going to have he's going to have slower growth. It's going to be difficult for him to, you know, make the right decisions and, you know, make sure he's getting the right GP and the parts and all of the other stuff. You know, but if he's working in the business on he's diagnosing a car because, you know, 90 percent of the vehicles flow in and out of our shop, you know, front brakes, rear brakes, oil change, transmission, this they move right out. It's at eight or 10 percent of the vehicles. You know, I mean, where we have we have an issue. It's a stalling problem, right? It's a it's a high idle, low idle. You know, some kind of a quirky issue. That's where a lot of our time and a lot of our profit is going to get swallowed up because there might be two brake jobs I'm trying to get in, but I can't because I I'm messing around with this car. 
We're just trying to help all the shops make more money. You know, and again, that's where technology of a ser- as a service comes in. You know, you can, you know, remote guys come in. Wh- and what is that? When a remote guy comes into your shop, right? He's, or I'm sorry, uh, you know, a, 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 like a, a programmer or whatever. Yeah, all he's there to do is, yeah, he's going to, he's going to come in and he's, he's going to, he's going to add an additional skill set. He's going to add an additional pair of eyes, right? A lot of that can be handled, you know, with, with remote, with remote support. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you want early access to our episodes, as well as some bonus content, head on over to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. VIP membership is only $9 a month, and your contribution goes to the ASOG Fund, a 501c3 educational nonprofit organization, which means your contributions are tax-deductible. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It helps spread the word. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and hitting that like button. The like button keeps leaving flaming bags of dookie in front of Lucas's shop and only smashing it will stop the nonsense. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you have any topic suggestions, please reach out to me via email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.